Good evening. Welcome. Hello. 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 <laughs> Wake up. Uh, so uh, my name's Chris Clare. I'm associate minister uh, here at St. Helens Church. Um, and this evening I spent a bit of time doing being a PA assistant, which is my alter ego. Uh, so it'll take me a while to settle down into what we're going now. We're going to look at a passage from the Bible. Uh, you got it there, Laurie? You got Isaiah 43 up or not? Uh, Laurie, Laurie is doing words this evening, is the rector. Turn around and say hello, Laurie. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Laurie. Laurie actually is a lot better at preaching than what I is, but not as good at, with computers as what I is. <laughs> so you've somehow got us in the wrong place this evening. That's not it, okay. Uh, if you have a Bible, <laughs> or, or a phone, or a laptop, why don't you come with me to Isaiah 43, and it'll be on screen shortly. We're going to only look at a few verses. Uh, Isaiah 43, 22. Um, Isaiah chapter 43, starting at 22. I might be 21, actually. 22. No, I lie entirely. 16. There we go. I told you I wasn't with it this evening. Isaiah 43, 16. We're going to end at 22. That's where it's going. 16, yeah. 2, or 21. Just, just take a moment, shall we? Just be quiet in Father's presence. Let's just invite, by his Spirit, Father, to be here this evening, to, since he always is. But just give him permission to speak to us, be it through word or, or worship or words of prophecy, whatever. Come into his presence quietly. Each individually come and just maybe you've got to lay down stuff from the day, throw that off and say sorry for that. Maybe there's stuff that we're worrying about. We just need to lay on one side and say, Lord, for the next hour and a half, or whatever, we just put that to one side and just want to be totally focused, Jesus, on you. One of the things that we like and enjoy and, and appreciate about encounter is the fact that there's much less of a sense of hurry and rush. There's not a deadline to get the kids out or the kids back in. Or... Father, thank you for the opportunity to just rest in your presence this evening. Holy Spirit, come. Make your word, your written word, live and speak to us of the truth about your living word, Jesus. In his name. Amen. Okay, I'll try and read this if I can. But, but do uh, follow whatever version you have. Chapter 43. Uh, verse 16, Isaiah 43, 16. 
It's Isaiah uh, writing, and the text goes like this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, stuffed out, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. I, I wanted to just, um, just say at the outset here, and I've sort of lost contact with any notes I had. I did prep this up, and I have got some notes somewhere, but um, currently they're not within my eyes. I don't worry, it's fine. It's in my head, I think. Lord, bring back the right things in my head. But I want to say before I start that there's a couple of... The first two bits I'm going to say are pretty straightforward exegesis. They're pretty much you know, telling you what the passage is about and what it says. The third bit is a lot more sort of speculative. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just warn you that, because you'd, you'd have to weigh that yourself a bit more. And, uh, and again, that's a thing about encounter. You can be a bit more open like that in a way. It's the way m- my understanding of what Holy Spirit's doing and what the scripture says is at the moment. But I'm not sure it necessarily um, get me through a BS honours in theology uh, if I wrote it down at the moment. But the first two bits are straightforward. What is Isaiah saying here? It's a prophecy to the people of Israel. And it's talking about really one past event and I think two future events. Obviously he's talking. When he talks about the um, first bit, who made a way through the sea, a path through the waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements. What's he talking about? Exodus, the Exodus of Egypt. That is Israel's founding story. That is the miracle, the the whole thing, that there's God intervening and bringing them as a nation out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. Uh, And and that's the first thing Isaiah reminds them of. He reminds them of that act of God in the past, that amazing intervention. I mean, absolutely, you know, traumatic. All those plagues and things. and, And it's very much God himself doing it. I know Moses was there a bit, but it's very much direct divine action, isn't it? You know, Moses announced the plays of frogs, but, but God brings the frogs or whatever. And, and that is their past. And Isaiah reminds them of that, and that's the first thing he says in this little chunk here. But then he says, not to be fixated on it, he says, look, he says, forget the former things, verse 18, do not dwell on the past. Because his prophecy, although it rests on the truth that comes from what God has done in the past, prophecy always tells us what, you know, speaks into a real situation now, but always rests on the truth from the past. Amen? Mm-hmm. It always rests on the truths that we know and accept. And, and he says, look, God's going to do a new thing. This is my core verse, really. Verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? What is the new thing he's going to do? And of course, when Isaiah wrote this stuff and people heard it, part of the joy of prophecy is they would not know what the new thing was because it was new. Yeah, Right? Now, with hindsight, with where we sit from, we can see one of the ways this prophecy was spoken, what it's looking forward to, 
was another, if you like, exodus, but not quite the same. Uh, no one quite knows when this was written. It, as a sort of scientist, it really annoys me that you don't get... When I used to teach, you know, one of the things you make kids do, every bit of work, you put your date on the top. Remember this? Yeah. Right? You put the, I, I had never... I've no idea why teachers do that, but you always put the date up first. And I rather wish Isaiah 43 had, like, the, the you know, date on it when Isaiah wrote it. Uh, it'd be really helpful. And there's a whole lot of debate about when it's written, and people disagree by, like, you know, not by a few days, but by hundreds of years. One of the, th the possibilities, and the one I sort of like, this was probably written before the um, people of Israel went into captivity. They were in captivity in Egypt, of course, and they came out from that. But the, when the temple got destroyed and the Babylonians came and ripped them off to captivity, they went to captivity again in Babylon. And this, I'm sure, is talking about that. That release from captivity. The first thing it's looking forward to is the release that God's going to work to bring his people back from the Babylonian captivity back to the promised land. Okay? Get that? In what way is it a new thing? Well, I think this, and this is, I think, I'm pretty solid ground here. This is not, by the way, I'll, when I get to speculative stuff, I'll wave, okay? This, I think, is pretty solid ground, actually. You see, when... When they came out of Egypt, it was very much God intervening directly. It was awesome. I mean, just like all the stuff that happened, those miracles, those plagues of Egypt and, and the army and the sea parting and stuff. It, it was very much, I mean, Moses was there and had to be God's spokesman, but, but it's very much God's direct intervention and action. You couldn't miss it, could you? But when they come back from Babylon, it's slightly different. The way that works out is that the Babylonian Empire was pretty big and been around for a long time, but another empire, the Persian Empire, comes and defeats it. And when Cyrus conquers Babylon, he sends all these captured people, not just the Jews actually, but all these captured people who've been taken off to Babylon from their homelands and sends them back. Do you get? Now that's a new way of working. The release from Babylon isn't in the same sort of mould as the release from Egypt was. God's working in a different way. Now you could ask you, it's more, I don't know, subtle? Uh, because in one sense, you can look at the politics and the history of the time and see, yeah, of course, you know, Cyrus, Persians, blah, 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 conquered Babylon, their different style of things, said all these conquer people's work. That's how God was going to work, that release from captivity. And this stuff about walk through the desert and the wilderness probably does have direct meaning on the bunches of Israelites going back from Babylon into uh, Israel, into Judah, uh, 70 years after they were taken captive. And I think it's quite, in, I have to say, I think that's quite interesting. Okay, speculative bit coming. It does seem to me that there's something the way God works throughout history has moved in different ways. Now, God's faithful in exactly the same. That's, absolute, that's, that's good theology. Rory, is that good theology? He's unchangeably the same. But the way, he, the way he interacts and works in the world does seem to change. There's a development in that. There's a development in understanding about God through the Old Testament. God, God has not changed, but, but the way people understand him and the way our experience as a whole you know, human race is, that has developed up to the point of Jesus, so Jesus could come. And, and in a way, 
the stuff that came out of Egypt and some of the stuff of the Old Testament, that sort of time, and is very much God's direct intervention. But it appears to be more subtle, more hidden with the Babylonian release. And in our day, and, and some of me, part of me, this is the bits that's like, like speculative, I, I don't like that. I'd much rather see, right, you know, <laughs> thunder and lightning and, 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 and people knocked down with frogs or whatever it is. But, but God seems to work in a, almost a hidden way. So you need the eyes to be opened to see it. The spiritual world is absolutely real and God is absolutely at work all the time. But you sort of need to see it. And there are people in our world, it seems to me, who manage to find fairly reasonable, rational explanations for everything without ever referring to God. And I'm not sure you could have done that in Egypt with the plagues. And a bit of me is pissed off about it. You know, it's like, I'd much rather somehow, but that seems to me to be part of what God's doing, the new thing. Because it now becomes the thing by faith. We have to choose. We have to choose to see. We have to choose to follow Jesus, be filled with the Spirit, and then see what God's doing. And when you've been a Christian for a... I don't want to say how long I've been a Christian, because I'm getting very old. But when you've been a Christian for a while, you begin to think, how can they not see what's going on? It's so blooming obvious that God's at work here. Who's, who's like this? But I have friends who just don't see it. And they're not, they're not like bolshe or irrational. They're, they just don't see it. And there have been people, no doubt, in Babylon, in whenever, a few hundred, 500 BC, who would not have accepted that God was bringing his people back. He's releasing them from captivity. Now, men of God were needed, Ezra, Nehemiah, people like that. The men of God needed, Daniel, to see what God was doing and to be there declaring it and calling it forth and leading the people. But they didn't do it in a sense. God did it. But he did it in a new way. And I think when Isaiah is talking about a new thing here, my gut is, I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to bring you out of captivity in a completely new way. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? And of course, so, looks back to Egypt, prophesies the release from captivity. Yeah, my, if, take my datings on writing this book, 150 odd years after it was written. But of course, it also looks forward to Jesus. The whole of these two chapters, back 42 and 43, uh, you read any, anywhere in these chapters, back to 42, it starts. Here is my servant who I'm upholding, you know this, my chosen one in whom I delight. I put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. And so it goes on. All about the suffering servant, all through these two chapters. And in the middle of it, you get this chunk where God says, look, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? We're on solid, egetical ground now again. The second new thing that Isaiah is looking forward to and calling out in prophecy is Jesus. Because that is radically new. Everything about what Jesus does and brings is radically new. The whole system of, of the Old Testament, the whole system of the old covenant and, and how you got right with God is just going to be oh, it's new. New wine in new wineskins. A new testament, a new covenant. That's the really amazing new thing, which is from Isaiah's time, five hundred years in the future. But that's the really new thing. And that newness is, 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 is a completely different sort of newness. <laughs> and that is Jesus coming 
as the Son of God into our world. Not as a conquering Messiah who will liberate politically the Jews, which is what they expected, it seems, but as a suffering servant, one who's gentle and gracious, one, as one that song we sang this morning in church, you know, from a throne in heaven to a cradle in the dirt. That is the God who came into Bethlehem all those 2,000 years ago for God to do a new thing. To open up to all people, not just Jews, to all people. Forgiveness, salvation, the fact we can live in the Spirit, the fact that His Spirit, you know, God, what's He say, John 14? You know, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, and we will come to live with you. My Father will come, I will come, and the Advocate, the Counselor will come and make us dwell in with you. That's, that's, that is a radically new thing, which, which I'm absolutely sure that, that Isaiah and his mates would not have got their head around. And you can see what happened when Jesus came. You know, good thinking, rational, religious people who knew their scriptures just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. Because it's in God's plan forever, and once you know it happens, you can look back and, and see how it's in God's plan. But when it happens, there's like, oh, well, this is not right. This messes up our, our services and our calendars and, and whatever else they had. Careful what I say now, Chris. This messes up our parish councils and our, and our rules. We don't like, do we, new things? Many of us say we like new things and change, but it ain't true, is it? None of us like new things. We all like the safety and the security of stuff we know about and how to do it, don't we? We all say, you know, I'm up for change, but in reality, I'm quite scared of change. I'm quite scared of being in situations where I don't know what's going on, where I've got no control, where I've got no sense of what to do and not to. And I don't think that's a 20th century thing. I mean, in our time, there's the acceleration of the rate of change in some areas is very worrying to me. Uh, um, this, is a, this is a, you know, a digression, um, a lay-by, but um, I was talking to um, a couple of guys on Friday, um, not quite my age, but their kids are now, their kids are now like 21, 22, just finished university. And we were talking about social media and stuff. And, I, and, and they quoted something their children said, their, their, their daughter said. And I said, your daughter did not grow up in the social media age. We've not yet seen a generation who've grown up in the social media age. Everyone here probably has a mobile phone, yeah? Most people probably have a social media account. You think you know how this stuff works. But I don't think you do know how it works for teenagers. Because they've grown up, and that's been their whole world. And, and I don't know how that's going to land at all. I, it, sometimes, in my sort of youth pastor hat, it, I just think, Lord, you know, I just feel so, not, I don't know, out of it sometimes. I could, I could, I could talk to people on Instagram and snap and, and take away, talk away, well, I can do it, but, but I'm not, I've not grown up in that thing. And I think there'll be things there where we just don't get it sometimes. 
alpha depression, back to the real thing. New things are challenging and sometimes we can find them scary. And that, I think, is partly why this verse is here tonight. Because I think God, in a way, is calling us and telling to us about the new thing he's doing. Stop. First bit about Babylon, solid. Jesus, absolutely solid. We're about to do the get into the area of, I think this says. Pray for me. So I think that perhaps in every time, in every place of God's people, if they're really open to what God is doing, they will perceive new things going on. I think God is a very creative God. Um, you know, 10,000 million stars in 10,000 million galaxies. The one I often quote is this, over half a million, 500,000 species of beetle in creation. Why? Beetles are things you stand on. They're not, you know, but... Just, but God's just so creative. Just, it's, it's out of all proportion to what you need. Do you need a thousand million galaxies? No, but it's just fun. And I think God is always, in a sense, on for new things. But at our time, in our place, in our country, now, I suspect for the people of Israel, it was sort of simpler. There was one people of Israel, well, there was in Egypt and there was in Babylon. It got a bit confusing with Israel and Judah and stuff, but but now there's got a bunch of God's people everywhere, and maybe the new things that we see are much more localized. I mean, in a sense, I think Jesus is the last big new thing. There's no further revelation after that. Jesus has come, he's done it, it's finished, sorted forever. But the newness now breaks out in little bits, so that maybe in in this church or or this area or the or the, or the church we associate or a country. God's doing a new thing. And I think my gut is, he goes, my gut is that's always sort of happening. That God is more into new things than any of his people are. That he's always wanting us to move on. And his people, include me in this, are always often quite happy to find a comfortable place and stop there. When I go mountain walking, I love mountain walking, but a classic Chris Clare ascent of a mountain involves, before I start off, working out where the first break for a cup of tea will be and walking up, whatever it is, and then finding a little, little flat bit, um, comfortable, out of the wind, uh, to have a break. And sometimes I can just feel very happy there and relaxed there. And I think God's people are too good sometimes at finding a comfortable place and staying there. If this lands, let it land. If it's think it's rubbish, let it be rubbish. Because what's Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? And the second thing I want to warn you about is this. I think, oh dear, it's so easy to see this verse. I'm doing a new thing, and think God is going to bless the new thing we're doing. And it's not God saying, "I like the way you're doing a new thing." It's God saying, "I am doing a new thing." It's God's action, not ours. It's not that, I mean, we have actually, I'm, I'm, you know, nothing wrong with this, but we've just started a whole new um, set of services, and that's a new thing. That's, I mean, it's good, it's what we do, you know, but, but that's, that's not what this is about. That's not about God blessing what we do that's new. What we do is in response to what we see God doing. So the second bit of the verse is the critical bit. Isaiah says, bless him. See, uh, 
I'm doing a new thing. Look. But he used the word perceive. Perceive it. Do you, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now, when he wrote this, it springing up was pretty long in the future, actually. That's the trouble with these prophets sometimes. They tell you stuff and they don't give you a time scale where there's not dates in here. There should be dates when he wrote it and dates when it's going to happen, but they don't get that. That's the critical thing. The critical thing, the critical thing is that we have to have our eyes open and perceive what God's doing. And then when we put new stuff in place like new sap services or new shapes or a new group or a new club or, or we close things down, that needs to be in response to what God's doing. Do you get and it happens in a personal way too. Not just for churches, but for you and me individually. What's God doing in you and your life and your surroundings now? What God's calling to you that's new? Well, I don't know, but I do know that the command to us, the call to us, the need for us and for me is to open my eyes and perceive it, to look. You don't see unless you look. And I think there's a danger of just becoming sort of comfortable. Yeah, I can do silly examples, you know, about I don't know, worship songs. But uh, thanks, guys, for coming. Leave some worship later. That's great. You know, these are ones I like. They're comfortable. Do I need to know the new ones? Well, no. But maybe sometimes that is what God's calling me to. I have a way of reading the Bible and praying uh, and stuff and my devotional stuff. Maybe it's good, but what's God doing? What am I called to be in terms of my balance of friends, in terms of where I put my time, in terms of how I interact with people, in terms of whether the people I'm talking to who don't know Jesus, it's a time to be gentle with them and let them see my life, or whether it's time to challenge them up front and say, look, seriously, you're going to burn unless you find Jesus. Because our society doesn't, doesn't, isn't ready for that probably, and therefore I back off from that. Because it's not the way, I don't know, it's scary. These are examples. Let's be clear. Exegesis. Isaiah says, remember Egypt, don't dwell on that, do a new thing, out of Babylon, Jesus can be up a new thing. And I think God's calling continually. And there's a continuous call on us as his people, individually as a church, to keep our flipping eyes open, to see what he's doing, to perceive it, and then respond to what he's doing. Not go the other way around. Well, we think this would be a nice thing to do and do it. And thank you, God, to bless it. Does that make sense or not? Yes. Forget the former things. The people of Israel, I suspect use that as a bit of a sort of like, I don't know, a thing to beat God with. You know, why, why don't you do like you did? Why, why don't you destroy the, the Philistines or the Amorites or the Babylonians or the way you destroyed the Egyptians? Do you ever sometimes feel like that? About why God doesn't do what you want him to do or what he used to do or what you read the books about and the, and the revivals in the past? Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes I do. David says in the Psalms, pretty out loud sometimes, why would you rend the heavens and come down? There's, there's a sense for our history, both personally, what Jesus has done with me in my life, as a church, as a people, which is really important. We want to have testimony for that and thank God for it.
But it's not a thing to stay in. It's not a place to stay. It's a base to come from. It's a truth to know to work where it is now. And I think Jesus lives this. I'm going to land on this band. You've got, well, three to 17 minutes, depending on how it goes. I think Jesus exemplifies this in the sense that Jesus' ministry is three years, isn't it? It's not very long, really. I think Jesus knows all the truth about what's going on. And yet he lives very much in the immediacy of what's going on in front of him there and then. There's that thing in Luke 17, the widow of Nan's story, where he's walking along and they're bringing out a dead body on a bier. I don't think Jesus planned before the day to do that. I don't think he had a, you know, a, a spreadsheet or a Gantt chart work out what to do today. He was just walking with his mates and this dead woman comes along and, and something in the spiritual he sees, because he does see. Oh boy, does he see. Does he see and perceive what's going on? And he says, he touches the, the, the beer and the procession stop. I love that as well, by the way. You know, and then he just says, get up. And the man gets up. And it's a fantastic miracle. It's an intervention. But, but, it, but it's, it's sort of almost like accidental. It's just what happens during the day. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not ever going to get to that. But I just, I just love that. I just wish I could live in that sort of immediacy of every day and every moment Seeing and perceiving what God's in. Lord, what new thing are you doing here? What new thing are you doing with this person who I'm going to see and talk to in counselling terms tomorrow morning? What are you doing? This is really a sermon, a talk, about encouraging you not to be scared of new stuff. And have your eyes open to see what God's doing. But when you see what God's doing, to flip and go in with both feet. And to be willing to take it, lay aside the fear and the control. To lay aside the security stuff and go into it. When Israel were called out of Babylon, two or three critical people took the chance to go into the king and say stuff. When the people came out of Israel, oh sorry, Egypt, Moses had to do it. And for probably God does the new thing, but he works through his people. And I dread to think, if we could see a map, I dread to think of how many times God's tried to start a new thing and his people have just been not really willing to take the risk, but have sat in safety and comfort. And externally it'd look great and fine. I don't know what God's doing nationally at the moment. There's lots of words about revival and God coming and words about not looking like it used to. And, and, and that annoys me. Is that fair? I know what revival should look like. I've read all the stories. God, if you've got no right to do it, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I want to see. I want to see. I want to see what God's doing and be there doing it. The band are going to come up. Let's stand, shall we? Let's stand. Just take a moment. Stand for a moment. You don't have, sorry, that's, that's an invitation, not a command. Let's stand for a moment. I'm going, to, I'm going to sort of read the text again slowly over you, okay? Father, just 
Holy Spirit, convict where you want to convict. Encourage where you want to encourage. Lord Jesus, I bless you. You're the, you are the suffering servant. You don't break smouldering wicks. You don't put out smouldering wicks. You're so gentle and gracious with us. But Father, just now, we stand before you. And we want to commit ourselves to having our eyes open and seeing. For some of us, Father says, forget the former things. Don't dwell, don't live in the past. Now see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Some of our lives are like deserts. Some other people deal with are like that too. Some of the situations and the secular places we go into are like wastelands. And God says, I'll make a river in the desert and springs in the wasteland. To give my people, my chosen, drink. Father, thank you that we're chosen of you. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Father, we proclaim your praise. In all that we are.